Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but right now, 314 436 Seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. With your ideas, questions, comments, or concerns, Alex will be answering the phone. He's producing and is pushing all the buttons. And so, when you call, all he needs to have is your first name and where you're calling from. He could care less what you're calling about. Now, he's a he really cares about this. And Mr. Kelly, before you take <laughs> off, yes. Uh, yes, you know, sir. I don't know how you guys decide what's the news, but I think something that should be the news yes. is the broken coffee pot at the Kelly house. Yeah, I mentioned that on the air earlier, actually, because because really? Sue called the other day and she's like, "Oh, I broke one of our coffee pots. We cold brew it, so you you know we we try to have like a pot and a half at all times, just because you you know you get nervous when you get low on coffee. But anyway, <laughs> so she broke one of them, and she called me and said, "Yeah, we broke. I broke the coffee pot." And I said, "All right, you're grounded two weeks," and then. All of a sudden, she goes over to the internet, and there are ads for coffee pots. Wow. Yeah. What kind of coffee do you drink? Uh, uh, we get it from Trader Joe's. And then there's a couple of coffee roasters around where we live that we pick up some special stuff from there once in a while. Fancy, smancy stuff? Yeah, it's pretty nice. Yeah. yeah. But we put it, you know, you set it in the, in the thing and let it sit for at least eight hours. And it, it, it's a, it, it, so you don't, you know, it's not hot. It's cold or room temperature, and so it's not as bitter. It's really, really good, good and smooth, and then I put stuff in it, and she put stuff in it to make it even better. Well, see, that's but, perfect news. But it was just really weird that, you know, she, all she did was call me, and we don't have, like, an Alexa. We don't have any of those smart speakers and stuff. But somebody knew that she had just broken the coffee pot. <laughs> That's yeah. Somebody that's weird. High up in the heavens. Uh, I don't know. I think out in Silicon Valley, probably. Ah, uh, maybe so. But yeah, so pretty Great. weird. Thanks, Brian. You bet. It's Saturday morning, and we get together and have a roundtable discussion about what's impacting your backyard. Oh, and that side yard. Why did that guy put those extensions on his downspouts, and now your plants are drowning? Or your front yard. Oh, it's kind of depressing. So you better get those Christmas decorations out. Or that specialty garden space. You want to grow herbs? Yes, I do. Oh, I grow them. Taste of the tropics in your house plants. <laughs> I walk through the neighborhood, as you well know, a lot. 
And boy, a couple people have left their houseplants out. They really look cool now that they're melted down due to the cold weather. So, hmm, wonder why they did that. Anyway, sometimes, well, I know, the pots get too heavy and people just kind of, well, that's the way it goes. But then they got to get rid of the pot anyway because the weight is from the potting mix or the potting soil, not exactly the plant. And should you be shearing or pruning? How about those bugs or diseases or whatever do you need to be concerned about? And uh, the information I share with you, my thoughts, hopefully will help you orchestrate and solidify your options with the final judgment always going to be on your shoulders. And by the way, this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home car or wherever you happen to be listening. And another very important player, as I said before, is Alex. Alex is producing today, so he answers the phone. And we don't have any phone calls yet. (sighs) I'm starting to get short of breath. I'm Mike Miller, by the way. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. Wow, that was in the last century. And uh, I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation if you like. Uh, You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and uh, what I call my landscape consultation is a walk-and-talk. So um, you can, my website has my email, the homepage, of course, my email address and phone number where I can be reached. All right, let's get moving. Today's Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. I pulled up and parked, and liriope was underneath the bald cypress. Marble was mixed with other types of stones in the walkway. And uh, the hostas, oh, the hostas were doing a full meltdown. Uplighting in some of the various trees, the inkberries were showing off the fact, hey, we're a type of holly native to Missouri, and we're evergreen. The sweet spire and the oak leaf hydrangea, they were hanging on to some red foliage, which made it look very nice. Various trees had their trunks wrapped precisely. Signs tell of... Amron America, no, not Amron America, Amron, Missouri. Festival of Lights goes on down in this area. And uh, there's a, actually a granite stone that's been called, you know, cut out to tell the story of the first trail west. And that was uh, in 1764, west from St. Louis. And those first two trails west from St. Louis, St. Charles Rock Road, which seems kind of unbelievable, and Boone's Lick Road. So unbelievable. As you step in the middle, uh, you see a statue of Frankie Muse Freeman. She's an attorney at law. And the lawn was covering this hill that made it really look kind of nice. The dominant feature of this particular area is the Salvation Army Tree of Lights. And they've been doing the Tree of Lights since 1947, actually two years before I was even born. But anyway, there's benches and railings that follow the curves all over the place. And Running Man, he never stops. He's down there. A mobile security center. Uh, I didn't know if there was any mobile security in there, but I kind of looked inside, and there's either a big pile of coats or somebody was in there sleeping, which seems kind of strange. But anyway, maybe I'm just making that up. You'll have to decide yourself. Sun was rising, so it's time to head west and head down to the radio station. So if you do have any questions, concerns, 314 314- Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. 
Yes, folks, it was a frosty morning, and if you have any questions about what the frost is doing to some of your plant material, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. First caller of the day is Sally, and she's calling from Creekcore. Hi, Sally. Hi, good morning. Hi. Um, I have a question about my hostas. I have lots and lots of them, and in the past, um, this time of year or so, I go out and cut them down mm-hmm. and rake up the leaves and get rid of those. Is that the right thing to do, or should I just leave them? I heard you talking last week, I think, about slugs that like to eat the hosta leaves this time of year, and I would like to avoid, you know, the slugs. So, I mean, I've never had a, any problem doing what I just said I did by cutting the leaves off and getting rid of them, right? but is that the right thing to do, good, bad, or indifferent? Well, the slugs are not eating the hosta leaves this time of year. They eat them earlier in the year, but what they do is they winter over on the underside of the hosta leaf, so as a hosta leaf melts down due to the cold, then the slug has a blanket over it, so it actually offers protection. So, no, you're doing exactly what you should be doing. Okay, great. Thanks so much. Sure. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean... Uh, with most of the perennials, except for the fall bloomers, the asters and mums and things like that, uh, cutting the foliage off is always to the advantage of the plant material from a standpoint of disease and insects both. So thanks, Sally. And now let's go to Kevin's yard. Hi, Kevin. Hello? Hi. Hi. I um, got some uh, saplings during the spring, some... Uh, white pine and some uh, pin oaks and I put them in some two gallon buckets and I watered them during the summer and then I planted them in the fall. Mm-hmm. A couple of my white pines have gone brown or dead looking and I wanted to know, do, is there a chance they still may survive and have regrowth? No. <laughs> so once those needles have turned brown, they're a goner. So in other words, they didn't get acclimated to the pots you were growing them in or any, you know. And growing pines here is difficult anyway, and especially pine seedlings or saplings is what you had. So it's going to be a, a real difficult circumstance to try to do that. I, I've done it already a couple times. The thing is that I thought I may not have put enough dirt in it and watered it really when it got really hot. Ah. But... Uh, but um, I, I think I'm going to learn from it. But uh, the saplings, so what about deer? I had a sapling that I, a deer came in. I don't know why they w- would touch it, but he did nibble on it and kind of screw it up. <laughs> and I was thinking, I, I put fences around them now where they are, you know, green and growing, but they look, look a little deformed now, but they should just re if I get them protected while they grow a little further, they should be okay? Oh, sure. They should be fine. As long as the needles are still green, and as far as any kind of, let's say, weird growth when they're this young, don't you know? Don't worry about that. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Uh, general tips for this time of year. Uh, you know, the grain in there chemicals that you might have in your garage or wherever. Uh, So in other words, like fertilizers and things like that, just make sure that you have them 
probably ideally up off the floor because of the humidity factor on the floor. And uh, and just keep them in a dry location. All your liquids, for sure, keep from freezing because once they freeze, it might not uh, return to be exactly what you thought it was originally. And be sure and keep all your landscape, garden, chemicals out of the reach of any kind of children and pets as well. Let's head over to Mary's yard now. Hi, Mary. Hi. Um, yeah, I had a question. I kind of had the did an impulse buy yesterday and bought a small Alberta spruce. And I think it's labeled correctly. And it's in like an eight inch pot. I don't know. I guess, uh, you know, it's growing and it's about a foot and a half, two feet high. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to plant it. It is, is it too late to plant that? No, the ground's not frozen yet. So any kind of woodies, you know, can go ahead and plant. So any kind of trees and shrubs, regardless of the type can be planted now. Uh, perennials and ground covers and things like that, I'd kind of say it might be a little bit too late for doing that, but your woodies should be fine. Just make oh, sure okay. you dig All the right. hole. And, until I plant it, I'm going to try to plant it tomorrow, but okay. can I leave it just out? It's in kind of a metal pot with holes at the bottom, drainage holes, and, um, you know, it's just a small tree. Right. No, that's fine. So just make sure it has the drainage holes. And when you dig the hole three times the diameter of the pot, so in other words, that's how big the root ball probably is, but only about 80% as deep. So in other words, the top of the root ball should be above the surrounding ground and then put a couple inches of mulch over the top of the root ball. Right, right. The instructions say it should be level with the ground, but I know you always say it should be a little bit above the ground level. Because the way our soil can settle If you get a depression around it, especially with any kind of evergreen like Alberta spruce or pines or anything like that whatsoever, uh, a depression where water could sit, it can drown it, and that would be it. Okay, so just plant it, water it in pretty good. And I was going to throw a little potting soil or amend the soil a little bit with something, you know, as I'm planting it. Yeah, probably peat moss would be better. Oh, really? Okay. I don't have any peat moss, but... uh, what about, like, well, all right, you're some just, of the potting soil's got some stuff in it. but Yeah, if, you just, if your potting soil has some peat moss in it, what you're trying to do is you're trying to create a slightly acidic soil because that's, you know, these plants are native to areas that the soil is acidic from generations of needles falling and everything else. Oh, okay. All right. And now he said it was a slow grower. So is that true? He said they grow really slow. Very slow, and they're... I mean, it's going to be what it is is a natural genetic uh, hybrid, let's say. Uh-huh. And what it was is uh, ultimately as they get really mature, which uh, you can see them, you know, some of the bigger mature ones, you'll start to see regular kind of sp- uh, spruce branches come off the actual trunk. But that's oh, okay. going to be generations, I mean, not generations, but a long time from now. Uh-huh. Okay, all right. And is a west light okay for it, a yeah. west afternoon light? Yeah, and just don't put it too close to your house because if you have a side that's it gets no sun, then that side will ultimately lose all its needles. Oh, okay. So you want it a little bit away from the house. Right. Okay. All right, well, thanks a lot. Um, I appreciate the advice every week. I, I listen to the show, and well, I really like it. So well, thanks a lot. Well, thanks for having me on your show. I greatly okay. appreciate it. Have a good day. Bye. Yes. And uh, if you still have any bulbs, those daffodils, tulips, crocus, or anything else, you still got an opportunity to get them in the ground if you get it you know, done pretty soon. 
Uh, if you don't get it in, what you can do is uh, put them in pots, in potting mixes, and bring them in, you know, let them stay outside, let's say in your garage, if it's cool, for four to six weeks, and then bring them inside, water, you know, you're going to generally water them about once every couple weeks while they're in the garage. Once you bring them inside, put them in a sunny location, and that's called forcing the bulbs. So let's head over to Dan's yard now. Hi, Dan. Hi, Mike. Uh, I had a question about uh, whether it's too late to put down Winter Guard fertilizer. It's 32010. Uh, I would say yes. <laughs> 32 is, you know, that's nitrogen. That causes a, potentially can cause a surge of growth. And with our weather the way it is, you know, Mr. Kelly was saying that this upcoming week it's going to get up into the upper 50s. So the fertilizer down could cause, you know, be absorbed by the, you know, your lawn pretty quickly. And then it could cause a surge of growth. And if we have two weeks from now a super cold snap, then that could be problematic. So I would say not to do it if I was you. All right. I appreciate your information. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Remember, if you're growing azaleas, rhododendrons, or any broadleaf evergreens, they need an acidic soil, just like all the evergreens need an acidic soil. Well, not all of them. There's a few that don't, but the majority of them do. So when you do put any mulch down, make sure that your mulch has an acidic quality to it. If it doesn't, it could be problematic. And if you're pruning your hollies, you know, which I, I don't agree with doing this time of year, but anyway, you could actually use those, you know, your holly for holiday decorations inside your house. So uh, they'll last longer if you keep them in cooler temperatures. So... Uh, what does that mean? Leave them outside on the plant. Then they'll really look good. So just use your imaginations. And let's see, we got another call coming. Alex is putting in. Virginia, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? Very good. Um, uh, I'm calling. My tulips are coming up right now. And I have greenery on my um, grape hyacinths. Should I cut that? greenery down and what should I do with the tulips that are coming up? Yeah, that's surprising. The tulips, it sounds like you didn't, they weren't planted at the correct depth. The grape hyacinths will have green foliage virtually all through the wintertime. And then in the okay. springtime when they start to flower, then that foliage will die. But okay. the tulips, you know, pushing up foliage this time of year, that's a little bit unusual. Okay. Okay. Because like I said, should I cover them with more soil? Uh, it may be to the not to the advantage of the tulips just in general. I would say okay. my my tendency would be just to leave them alone. Whatever happens, happens. So, okay. but you have to know that that foliage on those you know those tulips is going to get cold. You know, get winter burned to it. So the right. foliage is they, not going to look very good in the springtime. Okay. Well, I have like one that looks like it's almost like a bulb. And the other ones are just barely like peeking through, and that's oh. what I thought maybe if I put them, put more soil on top, and maybe put some leaves or something. Yeah, more. I would. My tendency would be put mulch versus soil. Okay. Okay. Great. Thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. Bye. 
Yeah, that's really surprising because, I mean, your tulips, basically any bulb that you plant in the fall, just measure, sort of like visually measure the diameter of the bulb and then put it about uh, three or four times that depth, the diameter times three or four. That's how deep they should be planted. And, of course, a well-drained soil. So let's get another call in. Let's go over to John's yard. Hi, John. Hi, Mike. Hi. Hey, um, I just brought in my can of bulbs, and I heard you talk about uh, forcing the bulbs. Uh, I just wanted to see what the best things to do over the winter to uh, maintain the can of bulbs, and then should I start them indoors uh, before I take them out in the spring? Well, you can start them indoors. You don't need to. But uh, don't start them too early because then you're probably going to feel pressure to get them into the ground. And if the ground is going to be cold in the springtime, so to put them in the ground outside when the ground is cold, then it's going to more or less, let's say, stop any kind of growth until the ground does warm up. And as far as winterizing, I just shake all the soil off my cannas. You know, I have mine are planted in pots, a couple in the ground, and then I just put them in paper bags and... Uh, the cannas I actually just store in my garage. The uh, elephant ears and some, the dahlias and a few of the other, let's say, more snazzy-type bulbs or tubers, I bring those inside and put them in the basement. Okay, and do you have to spritz them every once in a while, or you just let them dry out as much as they dry out? Yeah, just leave them alone. And just, you know, check them every so often, and because there may be a tendency where they could possibly rot, and then if you have any that feel soft, then get rid of those immediately because you don't want the rot to be moving on to, let's say, others that are not infected by this rotting circumstance. Sure. And then if you leave them in the garage, how cold can your garage get and they'll still be okay? Um, you know, whatever cold. My garage is not heated, so I just make sure that they're not on the floor. I have, like, wooden pallets that I set a, a bunch of different junk on, but... You know, I put them in paper bags on these wooden pallets so they're up off the floor. Okay. Great. Thanks a lot, man. Sure. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks. Just remember, if you do have houseplants, cold tap water could shock the plant root system. So... Let the water warm up a little bit before you water your plants with it. Just keep that in mind. Also, where you place your house plants, regardless of what type they are, even in ones that are from the desert, you know, really hot, keep them away from the heating vents of your furnace. Speaking of heating vents, I'm always curious. Heat always rises, and this has nothing to do with, you know, anything. I'm just going to make it quick. But I wonder why we don't have uh, the heating vents from the furnace closer to the floor so all the heat doesn't go up to the ceiling. Luckily, we have ceiling fans. But anyway, let's head over to Richard's house. Hi, Richard. Yes. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Don Miller. Hey, uh, really appreciate your program. I'm first time, uh, first time caller. Uh, about three years ago, uh, we were over at the Botanical Gardens, and I purchased uh, on clearance a plant called cola, C-O-L-A, and it says a tree, but it's about three or four foot tall now, doing well, but it looks bushy. Do uh, <laughs> you know anything about that tree? No, I don't. Cola, C-O-L-E? No, C-O-L-A. Cola. Cola tree. No, yeah. I don't. 
I don't know that one. I'm sure it's tropical. It's a houseplant, yeah. correct? Well, no, no. I have it outside, and it looks uh, looks almost like uh, an evergreen to a degree, hmm. or a something like that. Uh, I was just wondering about we're moving, and I may want to transplant that, and I want to know what I would have to do there. Hmm. So, but yeah, I love I love the plant. I mean, it's just gorgeous, and it's done really well. But uh, I'd never heard of the plant before. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that. That must be a common name for it. But uh, anyway, um, Uh basically, moving you know a plant this time of year is going to be really difficult as far as survivability. I I would it would be it would be spring. Okay. Oh, well, then then you're fine doing it. Uh, Basically, what you want to do is a day or two before you're going to actually dig it up. Just uh, you know, water it really well. So in other words, when uh-huh. you finally dig it up, the root system will have a tendency to stay together. You want to go yes. out about yeah. uh, three or four inches beyond however wide the branches are, and then uh-huh. that's how big the root ball should be. You know, and okay. you probably only have to something you know of this type. I would say one spade deep should be adequate. Okay, found that sounds great. I've transplanted a lot of things and. Don't normally have problems, but I'd never heard of this before, and I didn't know if there was something special that I had to do. Now, if you know, if okay. it's a hardy plant, well, then it's you shouldn't have any trouble. Yeah, it sure is. All right, it surprised me. All right, perfect. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Certainly, and folks, we got phone lines open three one four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. If you do have any roses, make sure that, especially if you have the hybrid teas, grandiflores, floribundas, in other words, the classic type roses, not the shrub types, that you have about six or eight inches of mulch over that uh, root system slash crown. You know, if you don't have that much mulch, then it's not going to give it, you know, good or adequate protection. So that is really very, very important. Uh, Phalaenopsis. That's actually a type of orchid, which really looks good. It blooms this time of year. And uh, basically anything, whether it's Christmas cactus, you know, orchids, or anything else that flowers, they prefer cooler temperatures next to a window. And other things, you got to watch out. If you put them too close to the window, then uh, when it starts really getting cold, then it could cause them some damage. Let's head over to Annette's house. Hi, Annette. Hi, Mike. Hi. Have a beautiful mandevilla, and um, I brought it into my garage. Mm-hmm. The flowers are dropping off, but it's still the vine looks healthy. I'm wondering if I can keep it alive over the winter. Uh, it's going to be a roll of dice. I'm sure you have it in front of a window. Yes. And is how much sunlight comes into that window? Well, that's the north side of the house. Oh. So. It's not direct sunlight. Yeah, so to me, it'll probably do a slow meltdown. But uh, maybe you'll get lucky enough that it'll survive. But uh, you're probably going to have to end up cutting it back, you know, when springtime rolls around, when you stick it back outside. Oh, okay. All but, right. Well, that wasn't so bad. Yeah, no, it's not horrible. Uh, we I've tried to overwinter myself in the house, and they were just too messy. So I get, sort of booted them. <laughs> out, out yeah. in the compost pile. Okay, and I've heard you say not to have things setting on the concrete floor. Right. These are heavy pots, but I need to get those up off the floor. Yeah, huh? just you know, if you have a, like a a plastic, you know, 
milk carton or something like that that you can just get it off the floor, you know, a couple inches. That's, I think, like six or eight inches. That should okay. be adequate. Okay. All right. Thank you very, very much. Sure. My pleasure. And let's head over to Derek's. Hi, Derek. How are you? Hi. Hey, thanks for the show. Um, I've got some fruit trees. I have a peach tree that's very prolific. Uh, one cherry tree that's doing well. An apple tree that's sort of doing okay. And then I have two pear trees and another cherry that haven't done anything in 10 years. Ooh. Is there anything I can do? I mean, I even have bees, so I know they get pollinated. Right. Uh, basically, understand that if these trees that have not produced any uh, you know, adequate amount of fruit or any kind of fruit at all, if they're standard-sized trees, you could have to wait for 8 to 10 years before you're going to really start getting any fruit production. A dwarf is going to be three to five years, and a semi-dwarf is going to be a couple years beyond that. But if it's a standard-sized tree, it is a long wait. Okay, yeah, they're standard, and uh, I'm going to do a really good pruning on them this spring. So. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's fine. And also, when you're pruning your trees, make sure you kind of prune them so they look like an upside-down umbrella. To expose right. as much of the root, and you probably know that if you get a huge, if you certain years you're going to get more fruit than other years, and then take some of the fruit off as it's just forming, so you don't get a lot of weight on a branch, which would cause a branch to crack. Gotcha. All right. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's. Where should we head? Let's go over to. Oh, another Virginia. Wow. Hi, Virginia. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello. Yes, go ahead. Yes, yes. We we moved into a new house and some stuff came up. It's like some kind of a, a, a grass, but it must be a perennial. And I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> so what makes you think it's a perennial? Because it came, I, when we moved in, I didn't see anything there on the ground. And in the springtime, these things just came up. And did they flower at all, or uh, some in the back flowered, but uh, the others didn't? Uh, boy, it's tough, you know, to sort of give you advice. I would say my advice would be just to leave everything alone if it seems to be working on its own and it doesn't need any help. Now there could be things that are not real that have grass-like blades that are not technically grasses, like liriope, which is lily turf or monkey grass which produces a blue flower in the fall. So, I mean... No, we don't, we don't have anything like that, okay. I don't think. So just regular type of... Usually, like, like an Aztec grass. Ah. Yeah, that's, you know, that's tough. I would just... My tendency, if it's not really overly aggressive and invasive or anything like that, is just to kind of leave it alone if you like it. It, it doesn't spread. So, well, that's perfect. So it's just a clump grower. But yeah, if, it, yeah. if it is a clump gourd, just realize they'll migrate away from where they originally were planted, and then the center will be, there won't be any blades coming out of that area at all. Well, the blades come out the center. So, okay, well, you know, it might be, you know, again, it's, it's tough to know without seeing it what kind of, you know, what grass this is. But the ornamental grasses generally don't like fertilizer. They don't need a whole lot of extra watering or anything like that. Again, yeah, I would just that's, that's true. That's true about it. Yeah. I just I would just leave them alone. Yeah. Well, what about what about the grass isn't it going to die in 
die off and then do I cut off the the, the dead grass in yeah. the spring? Or? No, you can cut it off. It depends. Some people cut it off going into wintertime because they don't like to see the brown blades. And depending upon the type of grass, they could start shattering and then you could see the blades all over your yard. So if you want to go out, got some warm days and cut them now, you could certainly do that. Okay. Thank you for your help. Sure. My pleasure. And sorry, you know, without seeing it, it's a little tough to know. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over, go over to Jane's yard. Hi, Jane. Hey, good morning there, Mike. Hi. Um, I am a lover of pets and plants, and sometimes I do silly things. But I had gone up to Lowe's, and they had poinsettia for 88 cents. So, of course, I bought a bunch of them. And then they had pansies, plats of them, for $1.50. So I hate to see them wilt and die. So I bought poinsettia, and I bought pansies. Now, I have a glow light downstairs with a, an array of houseplants and everything else. But my question is here, uh, when do I plant my poinsettia in the ground as well as my pansies? I have what I call a test garden on the west, west side of my garage, and everything in there always blooms, and I still have blooming roses in there. So tell me what to do, Mike, with these poinsettia and my pansies. Well, basically, the poinsettias, they're, you know, they're a tropical plant, so they can't be grown outside except during the summertime. Right. And right. so you're probably better off to leave them in a pot as opposed okay. to putting them in the ground because if you put them in the ground and then pull them back up and then bring them inside – the transition is going to be really tough on them, and they're probably not going to be able to survive that kind of change. Okay. Uh, will, they, will they come back? Are they perennial? No. Oh, oh points that are not. Uh, pansies are, aren't they? No, for the most part, they're not. So, oh, gosh, do I make the wrong <laughs> I mean, the pans, you know, you can still see some pansies that are, you know, were planted probably a couple months ago that are still blooming that look good. But so, you have to take care of them. You have to make sure they don't get uh, any kind of drought stress whatsoever. But you want to make sure you don't overwater them consequently. But once the weather gets really cold, then they're going to pretty much melt down. It doesn't necessarily kill them. They may come back in the springtime. And uh, but they don't like hot weather, so they don't make it through the summertime. Even if they survive, let's say fall, late fall, like this is, through mm-hmm. the winter time and springtime, uh, summer will kill them. Oh, great! Well, <laughs> I can tell you, you were talking about liriope. I have a liriope that I've had forever. At first, I thought it was monkey grass. No, it isn't. It is just beautiful. It never turns brown, Mike. Great. It never turns brown. So I'm really happy with it. Well, anyway, I don't want to take up too much time. Thank you for all the good things you tell us for our, for our friends, our plants. So, yeah, have a great day. Thank you, Mike. Well, thank you. And, uh, Kathy, can you do it kind of quick? We're almost out of time. Yes. Uh, 
do you you mentioned about the roses, the covering the roses? I was always told that I shouldn't cover them until the ground was frozen. Is that correct, or can I do it now? Well, you could do it now. It's you know it's getting oh. cold enough. I mean, in theory, you're supposed to wait until the ground is frozen, but uh, to go ahead and do it now. The ground is pretty cool, so you're right. I mean, the Rose Society and people will say you shouldn't do it till the ground's frozen, but uh, you know we've had some really weird weather lately, uh-huh. and so you know there's been. And times. I usually use just leaves. Is that mulched leaves? Is that good or yeah, not? Yeah, that's fine. Oh, okay. So okay. you're just you're protecting the crown. So in other words, and these are the the classic type roses. So mm-hmm. you should be fine doing that. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Bye. And, you know, the reason why I'm saying that you don't necessarily have to wait till the ground is frozen because the last couple of winters, our ground has not really frozen. I mean, it may have frozen or been frozen for the top inch or two, but not even that deep. Last winter, I don't think it even went down that deep. So to wait until the ground freezes, you know, could be a little bit difficult. So that's where the real trouble comes in. So anybody else uh, has questions? We've got Dave. We've got Tom. We've got Jim. We're going to have to talk to you after the news at the top of the hour. But other things that you need to be thinking about, if you still got those geraniums, my grandmother brought geraniums in for years and years and years. She just took them into the basement, put them in front of a a nice window where the sun came in, and pretty much I don't even think she watered them. Maybe she did, and I just don't remember that. But uh, other things, you know, as far as mulch goes, uh, mulching some of the perennials is to the advantage. Some of them, they really don't need it. So it just depends upon the type. And I'm going to go. To, I'm going to talk about the uh, azaleas, rhododendrons, broadleaf evergreens, and that kind of thing. Make sure that the mulch that you're putting on them is acidic. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. We'll be back after the news. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, it is the tip of the trial hour, and I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but right now you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And Mr. Kelly, before you take off, you're off next week. I am. And I'm off from tomorrow through next weekend. Wow. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Just kind of hang out. Uh, the weather sounds pretty nice midweek. Probably go out and play a little more in the yard. I could always do some digging. Got some things to do to, to get ready for next spring already. So that's why Sue's listening this morning, taking notes. Ah. So you can tell us what we need to do while I'm on vacation. <laughs> so it's really kind of up to you. Or you need to do things that are fun. Oh, I will. We're, I'm thinking about maybe just packing the car up and we'll drive around for like three hours and then come back home and pretend we went somewhere. Ah. Yeah. And, get, and look at a video or something. You know, I already we do could. that. I, 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 we have a we just got a 4K TV about a year ago, and it's, some of the programs on there are spectacular. The scenery is spectacular, and I'll sit there and watch it and pause it and go just stare at it. Oh, look, there's water. There's there's mountains. Oh, I, you know, just crave it. So that's about as good as it gets. No bluffs. Well, I got a bluff hundred yards down the road, so probably go down there at some point, yes, and right. look over the bluff. And it's pretty, too. Yeah. I'll bet. So. Great. Well, right. enjoy. I will see you in a couple weeks. Yes. Perfect. And, folks, thanks for having me on your show. We're here to discuss plant selection, caring for, ups and downs, and all-arounds 
related to annuals, bulbs, edibles, ground covers, house plants, lawns, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. And I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. Alex is running everything, and uh, there's actually an intern here, too. I think she's interning to take over the garden hotline. Hmm. And, you know, kind of snuck her in here saying, oh, she's here for to watch Alex and everything else. No, she's here to take over the show. So if I'm not here next week, hmm, you'll never know. Anyway. I spend my week doing landscape consulting and weekends sometimes, too. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and homepage, there's my email address and phone number. I'll share 40-plus years of experience related to plant material. Started off in school in California, came back and worked at the Botanical Garden in the late 70s and early 80s. So uh, anyway, tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me and is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636 861 Three three four four. I think I gave the tip of the trial last week to the people. People that some of the people are doing such a fantastic job with seasonal decorations. I cannot believe, you know, what kind of thought and everything else. And right now, if people are still doing it, I've seen people up on the roofs hanging over more or less the gutters and doing the clippings and everything else. I'm more down to earth. I don't, you know. Put too much onto the house. But uh, anyway, there has been some not the inflatable stuff's okay. And I mean, there is so much of it inflatable. There was even actually a dragon with uh, flapping wings. This is an inflatable, which had a stocking hat on and he had a, <laughs> a candy cane in his mouth. So this is it's just getting totally wild and crazy. So anyway, Tip of the trial goes out to everybody who entertains with those seasonal decorations this time of year. I mean, Halloween was fantastic, but uh, Christmas is, seems like it's getting a little bit even more over the top. So tip of the trial goes out to everybody that spent their time doing that. So let's get a couple calls in before we take a break. Let's go to Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Hey, listen, we've got a, uh, a house plant that my wife got from her mom. This thing's got to be over 40 years old. We're not sure what it is. I mean, my wife seems to think it's some type of a shamrock plant. What it's got, it's got like these stems about five inches tall, and then you've got the green leaf that has like four clover leaves on it. But what's cool about it is at nighttime, they close like an umbrella. And then in daytime, they open up, and it's a really cool-looking plant, and I hate to lose it. Any idea what you think it might be? Uh, it's probably a, a type of clover, but it's probably oxalis, O-X-A-L-I-S. I would take a look on the Internet or whatever and see if – is the foliage green or is it purplish? It's green. Yeah. Green so tops. So, I mean, there can be purple or green both, but just look at oxalis and see uh, if that's what it sounds like to me. Okay, very good. Thank you, sir. Certainly. My pleasure. And now okay. let's go over to Dave. And Dave lives in South County. Hi, Dave. Good morning, Mike. Uh, thanks so much for your program. Uh, two questions. First one on uh, the right time to trim back a knockout rose bush. It's about four and a half feet tall. I usually cut it back to, oh, maybe a foot and a half. Uh, is that the right time right now? And the other question is on Chinese maple. I've got one that's about... 
10 feet high on the corner of the house, and it's starting to butt up against the gutter. I want to trim it back a little bit. Not very much. Uh, what would you recommend there? Well, okay. I, yeah, ideally with the, uh, you know, any of the maples prefer to be pruned in the summertime because of sap flow. But you can, you know, tree services and everything else, they'll prune them during the wintertime. So you can prune your Japanese maple, um, you know, basically now if you want to get it out and make sure the branches are not scratching your gutter or causing problems from that standpoint. I was going to take it back about maybe 10 inches or a foot uh, on this one part. So yeah, just make sure, you, yeah, make sure you don't leave a stub. So in other words, if a, you cut it back 10 inches or however far you're going to cut it back, and there's a six-inch stub left, cut that stub all the way back, you know, to where it intersects with the next biggest branch that it's growing okay. out of. Okay, very good. And, and how about the knockout rose bush? Is now the time, or uh, in the past, I've waited a little bit further into the winter before I trim it back. Well, it's, I uh, mean, it's personal choice as much as anything. Personally, I like to wait until I come out of wintertime, so sometime around Valentine's Day or Ides of March before the new growth begins. Okay. So, as long as it's not overgrowing their sidewalk where people are walking down your sidewalk are going to have the thorns scratch them or tear their clothes or whatever it happens to be. No, that's not the problem. Okay, okay. very good. Mike, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. And let's go over to Ann's yard. Hi, Ann. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, I have an area between my garage and sidewalk that's about 35 feet long and maybe three feet wide. And I want to amend the soil. It's uh, never really been done, and I want to replant it. I was going to St. Louis Compost and see if they recommended um, something for that. Is, is this a good time of the year to do it? I want it to be ready for spring. Absolutely. This is a perfect time to do it because, I mean, the weather's cool. You can get out there and uh, get the soil all ready and you know, blended together. And then when spring rolls around, if you've decided what you want to put in this space, Perfect. Uh, it's an eastern exposure. Um, I was thinking maybe black-eyed Susans and uh, daisies and coneflowers just because I like them. Sounds spectacular. Okay. Uh, and I have another question. Uh, Sugar Creek Nursery always sends out emails with uh, neat plants. And in September, they had a miniature rose uh, featured. And I called to see if that could be used as a house plant. And they weren't sure. But they said, go ahead and try it and let them know. So I did, and I have it in a, in a southern exposure window. Uh, and so far, it's lost quite a few leaves, but it is regrowing leaves. Do you think I'm going to have success with this? Uh, it's going to be really iffy. So my guess is it may survive one year. Are you, I'm assuming you're going to put it outside during the summertime and then bring it back inside. But uh, for the most yes. part, they're not really hardy you know, as, as a house plant. Okay, well, it'll be fun to watch it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that doesn't mean that you couldn't have success. It's just for the most part, they just don't, you know, they don't like it inside. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. Sure. Yeah, because, I mean, miniature roses are really roses. They, I mean, they grow outside. So. But good luck with that. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> sure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, phone lines are open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head down to Imperial and go into Emma's yard. Hi, Emma. 
Hi, Mike. Hi. My name is Emma. Um, this year I planted a pumpkin, and um, it was ready in August. It was too early. Um, so this year, so I'm wondering when I should plant cantaloupe and watermelon for next year. Uh, basically, you know, production-wise, it depends upon the variety as much as anything. But you want to plant them about uh, four month, three to four months ahead of the time where you want them. So that's and so probably with the cantaloupes and uh, with the watermelons, you're probably going to plant the seeds sometime in the like the first of May or so. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you, you, Mike. Yeah, if you put them in the ground too early, then uh, it's not necessarily they're going to produce fruit early. It just means they may not produce at all. And if you put them in too late, then that's going to be the same circumstance. So, so thanks, Emma. And now let's head over to Jones. Hi, Joan. Hi. Hi, Hi. Mike. Um, early October, I planted four azaleas in a dogwood, and now the uh, plumber has dug up my yard for the lateral line and dug all my stuff up. So, <laughs> well, I mean, they, they did it a nice job, but now I'm like, do I just dig a hole and stick them anywhere and then replant them where I want them in the spring. If it's going to be in the area that they have dug up, I would say give you're going to have to improve that soil before you replant them in that spot. My tendency okay. would be to get to your favorite garden center and see if they have any black plastic nursery pots and put them in pots and then sink those pot with a you know with a potting mix, not a potting soil. And then drop those pots into holes into the ground, and then grow them in the pots for a year or so before, until you can get that new that soil in that area improved again. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be easy. No, and they, and they dug up a cistern while they were down Whoa. there. So. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, thank you so much. Sure. Yeah, it's Bye. you know it's just easy to you know for them to acclimate. From the because they're relatively new, back into the pot rather than trying to put them in the ground someplace. And to put them in the ground in a temporary location just by themselves, not inside of a pot, then uh, that transition back, because they're, so, I don't want to say they're somewhat marginally hardy, but that's really what they are. And now let's go over and see what's going on with Al. Al, how are you today? I'm great, Mr. Miller. How are you? Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I have a question about mating grass. Uh, when is the best time to prune it back, and how far back should I prune it? Uh, basically, with the mating grass, the miscanthus, uh, you can cut it back at any time. Some people like to cut it back now. They put a bungee cord around it and take a hedge trimmer, depending upon how big the clump is, and just cut it off at about 8 to 10 inches. And just uh, you could do it now. If you don't, what's going to happen during the wintertime as the winter winds and the cold weather and everything, all those blades are going to just sh sort of break off and, and end up who knows where in your landscape. So cut it off 8 to 10 inches from the ground? Yes. Cut it right. Okay. All righty. That's all I needed. Thanks for your help. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah, with the right. you know, miscanthus and maiden grass or clump grower, so what's going to happen is you're going to see new blades coming out on the perimeter and the center of it as it matures will no longer be putting out any blades. So let's go now to Brian's yard. Hi, Brian. Uh, i got a question and a comment. I've got some rather tall white oaks in 
the back of my yard, mm-hmm. and I've been having problems with the root system, getting in the sewer lines, plugging them up, and I've had to have professionals come out and dig them up and stuff like that. Am I assumed correctly that the root system of a tree is as long as the height of the tree? Uh, not necessarily, not depth-wise. I mean, perimeter-wise it could be, but usually they're not going to— usually as far as the anchoring roots, you know, that has nothing to do with the height. But uh, mm-hmm. perimeter-wise, the root system, the feeder roots, that's where absorption of nutrients and moisture are. They go, you know, probably— a, Somewhat beyond the the drip line of the trees, the extension of the branches. Right. Okay. Because man, it's been expensive having to dig all these roots out. Because I don't know if I'm possibly damaging the trees by having to do this. But at the same time, it's tearing up my sewer lines too. And I thought, well, you darned if you do, you darned if you don't. You got to do one thing or the other. So, but the trees are like almost fifty feet tall. So that's right. kind of why. So. Right. So I mean. Well. Yeah, and it's not, I mean, they just, what they do is they hit that, you know, pipe, and then uh, I'm assuming it's an old type pipe with a joint, and then it just runs along that pipe joint until it hits, you know, the spot where the joints are connected, and then it grows down into there. Right. Okay, I'll just have to keep an eye on it, and hopefully I don't have to take these trees down because they're nice shade trees. Yeah, some of those companies just, they run more or less a... I don't want to say a, a saw down in through there, but a a, a rotary type saw to saw the blades off. So I'm, I mean, not saw the roots off. Right. Okay. Well, thanks for the information. I sure. appreciate it. My pleasure. And yeah. let's see. Why don't we go up to Florissant and into Tom's yard? Hi, Tom. Hey, Mike. Thanks for joining me on the show. Sure. Hey, um, this is a fa- uh, callback about. I told you about the moles in my yard that it basically destroyed them my question is when i when it comes to be spring again is that yard going to still be damaged or am i going to have to do some some stuff to make it um i mean there's whole there's just like mud and stuff everywhere and and the ground is like elevated almost well the elevations are going to sink and i mean the tunnel it's going to sink you know, lower than what the, let's say, the grade actually is. So you're going to have a major renovation through this whole thing. So there's no getting oh, wow. around it. And so don't just try to get something to fill where the trenches, you know, with mole tunnels have sunk. Make sure that you blend it in with the existing soil. But it is going to be, a, you know, it's going to be a lot of work. Okay, I, I wasn't sure, and I knew, um, I knew you were going to tell me that, but uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's an unfortunate thing, but uh, there's no getting around it. Either that, or just play like it looks perfect and don't do anything. Yeah, I'm a perfectionist with the yard. Oh, so uh oh. I got I got to go the other way. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. And let's get another call in before we take a break, and let's go to Daryl's yard. Hi, Daryl. Yeah, Mike. Yes. Uh, this doesn't go with the theme of your show today, but a few weeks ago. A guy called in about creeping Charlie, mm-hmm. the weed. and uh, and I lived up north, and uh, I had uh, creeping Charlie, and Trimac will kill it, but it only lasts about five or six weeks. But borax, that powder soap, if you just sprinkle a little bit out of that on the leaves and and don't overdo it, uh, it'll take about a week and it'll just disappear. Really? And it'll, yeah. Uh, 
borax is a is a natural mineral, uh, and it will last longer than Trimec. And uh, I just thought maybe the, that guy might be listening to your show today. Uh, anyway, uh, you can you if you don't. I did some, I overdid it, and I had one strip of grass that was dead for uh, just about all summer. Uh, but uh, Trimec will get rid of that creeping Charlie. And if you don't get rid of it, it'll take over your whole yard. Oh, absolutely. It is very invasive and very aggressive. Yeah. It's, it's so, really surprising. Yeah, I, I would call you soon. I couldn't remember your number. So anyway, I finally remembered it this morning. Well, great. Well, thanks for the insight. Okay. Thank you. So an alternative. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Let's head over to Letty's yard. Hi, Letty. Hello, Michael. Hi. Are you there? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, I bought a banana tree, and I put it in a big tub, and it grew all summer really great. I got two babies on it. Now, I got it in the garage where my garage doesn't freeze. Do I leave it in the dirt, or do I cut off the leaves and uh, shake the uh, dirt off the root, or what do I do? I would just leave it in the pot. Leave it in the pot? Yeah. Okay. Just dig the babies off from it? Yeah, you don't even have to do that. I mean, they're colonizers, so you could just have a little banana grove you oh, know, okay. next year. <laughs> if I just get some bananas now. <laughs> right. Well, that's going to be a while. <laughs> oh, I don't think so. I just like to plant. Right. Thank they're pretty you for wild. your service. Yeah, and in the future, if you ever do cut anything, watch out because the sap, even from the leaf or the trunk or anything else, stains close and the stain will never go away. So oh. just watch out for that. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. Sure. Have a good holiday. Well, same to you. And, uh, you know, that's why when I, you know, I worked at the Botanical Garden four years in the English Woodland Garden, but the last year was in the Climatron because sixth grade field trip, first year it opened, blah, blah, anyway. But we'd always have to do the pruning on the bananas, you know, at the end of the day. So all the sap that would be dropping wouldn't be dropping when people were in there walking around. So, I mean, that's that stuff really stains clothes horribly. And now let's go to Oakville, and that's where Linda lives. Hi, Linda. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I helped the guy who had the mold problem still listening because we had a major problem in our yard, too. And we just, we hauled in dirt where we had all the, <laughs> it was like being on the high seas, cutting the grass, the lawnmowers jumping up and down from all the tunnels. So we put dirt down and then lawn soil and the places where it was really bad. And Mm -hmm. then we just had a a professional come in and quarter aerate because we're getting too old to do that anymore and overseed it really heavy. But he used some kind of a product where some of the grass was actually completely died out that was a booster, like better than, it was like a little granular thing that kind of disintegrated when it got wet. And then, you know, we use starter fertilizer, too. But do you have any idea what that product may have been or uh, if it's just for a professional? Yeah. No, I really don't, I don't to think be it honest. Did. Yeah. was, you know, really worked like all the areas where they the moles had killed out the grass, too, came back beautifully. But, you know, just that core aerating, 
really helps and the heavy seating. Right. So I think that, yeah, he does have a lot of work ahead. But <laughs> our yard came back and it looked terrible in August. I mean, the moles had just put tunnels all over the front yard and the backyard was even worse. So, yeah, no, I don't know so, what that, you know, what the product was that, you know, that he would be putting down to give it a boost because generally, you know, without a soil test, the boost, I don't know if that's going to be just, you know, a one-shot deal or if that actually improves the, let's say, melts down in the soil like a fertilizer and parts of like the phosphorus and potassium of the fertilizer stay in the soil for a couple years. And the nitrogen only oh. stays for a couple days, which is the first number on the bag. But the boost, uh, mm-hmm. no, no guess. And then I wanted to ask, too, I bought a little rosemary tree, and it's about... I don't know, I guess it's about 18 inches tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's shaped like a little Christmas tree. Right. Do you know how often I would want to water that? I have it in a saucer, like in a sunny window. Um, I mean, I have it elevated so it's not down. The roots wouldn't be down in the water all the time. It's up on a little platform, and then I'm putting water around it for some humidity. But how often would it be best in the wintertime to water that? I'm trying to keep it nice until spring. It's actually for my son and daughter-in-law for their patio. Well, uh, basically, yeah. I grow rosemary trees every year. And probably I water them. What I do is I lift the pot initially after I water it once just to feel the weight. And then I you know, wait until it gets very, very light. So herbs just in general, whether they're you know like we're talking about right now, uh, really don't like to be overwatered. If you overwater, it's going to be horrible. So the tendency right. would be to underwater. So my thinking is probably once every uh, two weeks plus, that would be you know when oh, you would okay. water it. Maybe okay. even a little right. bit longer than that. Maybe, you know, as the days are getting shorter and shorter and shorter and the temperatures are getting colder and colder, I keep mine right in a window that faces actually east, um, probably... Initially, right, uh, when I first got it a couple weeks ago, I was watering every two weeks, and then I'm going to add another week to that. And then probably by the time we get uh, in uh, mid to late January, it's probably going to be about once a month until, you know, new growth starts. And when you when you water it, how much water do you give it? You're giving it pretty much or just a little bit? No, what I do is I – it has uh, – you know, I, w- I water till it runs through the pot and out, you know, out the, through the drainage holes. And then, okay. you know, that's pretty much it. So I've, I soak it, but no water sits around it. Okay. Any food or just plain water? Yeah, no fertilizer. Definitely not this time of year. Okay. And- I've never actually fertilized. I've got another rosemary we got down at the botanical garden. It was tiny. And my granddaughter and I planted it in a larger pot. I've actually never fertilized it. Should it ever be fertilized? I mean, that's you can I fertilize. Keep yeah, maybe once or twice a year at the most during the active growth season. But for the most part, herbs just in general don't like fertilizer. They don't like a lot of water okay. either. Yes, I knew that. Okay, thank you very much. Sure. Have a great holiday. Yep. Christmas. And now let's go from Linda's yard over to Joe's yard. Hi, Joe. Um. Mike, uh, I got evergreen stuff here, abravites and some other big evergreen trees and bushes. Should they be watered during the winter, you know, like when it's warm enough to do so? 
uh, only if we have an extended period, drought period. So in other words, like if there was like three or four weeks where we had no rainfall, no snow, no ice, nothing at all, then it probably wouldn't hurt to water them. But other than that, no, they don't need it. And now these ornamental pears, of course, they're in dormancy, I guess. You don't water those during the winter, do you? No. For the most part, you know, the way our weather is, there's never really an extended period of drought in the wintertime. There's not dehydration of the soil nearly as much as there is in the heat of the summertime. So, you know, during the winter, uh, not too much, not too many different things need to have any kind of, let's say, additional irrigation. Okay, Mike, one more quick one. Got some leftover grass seed. Should I leave that outside or bring it in during the winter? No, you can leave it out in your garage. Just make sure you don't have it sitting on the floor or anything where potentially it could get damp. And just realize that the older the seed is, the percentage that's going to germinate goes down. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. Mm-hmm. Bye. And now let's see. Let's go to Mary Ann's yard. Hi, Mary Ann. Hi. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, three things. I have a beautiful bush blue indigo, and um, I divided it. I took it out of the ground in the fall and cut it in two and is that the thing to do, or will it work? Uh, it's going to be iffy. So Yeah, that's what I thought. The <laughs> temperature's right. And right. then, um, do I need to fertilize my strawberries ever? Uh, yes, when they start actively growing in the springtime, you okay. definitely fertilize them. And, look, use an organic low-analysis fertilizer. Don't use anything where the, you know. Okay, organic low. And my other thing is I had a banana tree somebody gave me, and it was really pretty. And I dug it out and um, wrapped it up and put it in a shed. Will that be enough for it? Uh, you don't know. Yeah, if it's not getting any light, it should be okay. So it another, did, yeah, I cut the yeah. It was beautiful, but this I, this year I cut the top off. It's you know I just want to regrow it. Yeah, it should be okay, just so okay. it doesn't freeze. But oh, yeah, right. A I lot of you. people dig them up out of the ground and take them and just put them in the basement in some dark spots and cover them up. That's yeah, fun. I could do that too. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. Okay. Bye bye. Three one four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we've got some phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Chris's yard. Hi, Chris. Hey, Mike. I've got some daisies that I planted next to the foundation of the house. I've called you before, and they got about four foot high, and I cut them down to the three inches you know, before uh, above ground level. Mm-hmm. And I noticed the centers of them are missing any plant material at all. Well, generally they're not, uh, you know, clump growers, but I guess they're just migrating away from the original spot. Okay. So. So is there, I mean, I didn't know if that was normal for them not to have a center. I mean, didn't notice it when the, you know, the daisies were up. Yeah. It's, it's kind of hard to say. Are these Shasta daisies? Are they the white ones? Yeah. What kind of daisies are they? They're the white ones with the yellow. Yeah. So my guess is, is probably they're just migrating away from, you know, the original spot. So, in other words, they had perimeter growth, and you couldn't tell it when they were, you know, basically up and growing. 
because they were kind of the brand, the stems were kind of I don't want to say crisscrossing, but they were kind of covering each other with right. the foliage. Well, should I fertilize um, more in the spring or? Well, not necessarily. Kind of I would say just kind of accept it in you know the way it's going. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All righty. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, you could fool around and try to, let's say, go against what they want to do, but uh, they're going to win. But they do need to be fertilized in the spring, correct? Yes, definitely. Okay. Thank you very much. Yep. Fertilize, uh, you know, all-purpose fertilizer for plant materials, you know, flowering plant material, and, uh, yeah, probably once a month starting in May, let's say probably late April, May, June, July, and then no fertilizer after that. Let's head over to Kenny's yard. Hi, Kenny. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Quick question on you. I want to run something by you. I have a weeping willow tree in my yard. It's probably about four years old and maybe 15 feet high already. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know they, once they get tall, the wind and ice really start taking its toll on them. And uh, I was wondering what you thought about maybe getting to some of the branches and maybe putting a small chain around them just to keep the wind and the ice from pulling them down whenever the branches start getting start getting uh, bigger? Uh, you think that might be a solution? Probably not with willows. You know, if it was with, like, other type trees, uh, let's say a lot of times larger oaks and, you know, and maples and things are cabled, you know, with cable lines between them to keep the trees from splitting during ice storms. But with the oak trees, I don't think you're going to be able to do anything at all that's going to make any difference. And they okay. really don't start, you know, let's say – you know, let's say falling apart until they get pretty old, like at about uh, 12 to 15 years old, that's when it starts happening because they have a relatively short life. Yeah. Yeah, they're great trees up until then, but then they can get ugly pretty quick. <laughs> yes, that's okay. very true. Okay, well, I just thought I'd run it by and see what you thought, but it sounds like I might be uh, might be uh, doing a lot of stuff or nothing. So, yeah, But that's... anyway, I appreciate your show, and uh, thank you. Well, great. Well, thanks for having me on your show. Let's head over to Carol's yard. Hi, Carol. Hi. Hi. Um, I have a question about a magnolia tree. Mm-hmm. Um, never had any uh, luck planting the seeds before. So I was wondering um, when is the best time to plant them, and do you plant them in a pot or, or what? Well, I've never grown magnolias from the seed, so uh, I don't oh. even know if you could have success with that. But if you want to try it, go ahead and just get some potting mix for starting plant material and then just put them, you know, plant them in that potting mix and then set the pots outside and see what happens. Not outside, let's say, on a deck or anything, but sink them in a hole in a garden space. And uh, But, you know, starting from seed, I don't know. It may work, but uh, <laughs> and if it does, that's great. That's fantastic. Also, are we talking about the evergreen magnolia? Are we talking about the, let's say, the star magnolia, the saucer magnolia? Does you know? Do you know? Well, which... I can just tell you that they're the seeds are red, and they, the tree came from Arkansas. Ah, so do you know if it's one that has, the, let's say, the more or less green leaves that stay in the winter time? Yes, they do. Okay, so the chances of those those seeds are even less than some of the other ones but the magnolias from seed is going to be iffy <laughs> at best but you might right. have success with it that doesn't mean you can't have success it's just generally that's not going to be the case all right well thank you so much sure my pleasure bye bye
Yeah, and thanks to everybody for calling in. Greatly appreciate it. And, uh, boy, what a fantastic day. As I look out, there's not a cloud in the sky or anything else, and there's not a you know, there's wind is not even blowing. So get out and enjoy. I mean, it's just a totally wild, crazy time of year. As I look out the window here at KMOX, we're looking out behind the, the Soldiers Memorial, that park space, and a lot of the oak trees and things like that are holding on to the leaves. And surprisingly, I'm surprised, you know, surprised, surprisingly, I'm surprised. But uh, so a lot of the ma- you know, maple trees are holding on to the leaves, and I don't remember that historically happening. I mean, it does happen somewhat, but uh, there's one oak that's probably maybe five or six stories high, and it must have a huge amount of leaves. And speaking of leaves, living across the street from Christie Park on the northeast corner, the south, southwest winds blow them into my yard. So when I get off today and head home, one of the things I'm going to be doing is raking leaves and then putting them in the yard waste dumpster. It is, you know, it's only the start because you can kind of see them migrating in our direction. There's areas that don't have any leaves in them at all, but they're headed on my way, not just my way, all of us neighbors. But I'll tell you, it's worth, you know, living someplace where you can look out over a park, even though you get a lot of leaves. But uh, other things to just watch out for just in general is just those, you know, those cool season annual weeds and cool season, you know, perennial weeds too. They, if you can get out there and on a day like this, do some digging, you don't mind doing that. It would be to the advantage of your lawn or your perennial bed space. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.